Welcome to the Dermastore Podcast. A chat about all things skincare, skin health. And if you're a real skin nerd, we, we hope, hope you'll, you'll join, join the, the conversation. conversation. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Dermastore Podcast. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Greg. We are finally here, hey? <laughs> December. <laughs> yeah, baby. Black Friday. Recovered. <laughs> My lot of a tear. Every year we just like wow. No, this year was amazing. It was a eh? Huge, huge year. Probably ran the smoothest, I'd say, in terms of operations and the sites and just in terms of how everything went. And it was our biggest year by quite a big margin. So we really chuffed with that. But it is quite disruptive let's yeah. be honest it's not our normal way of operating but yeah. we did well and kudos to the team hey they absolutely did amazing. it was a huge effort and yeah our team really pulled together so really stoked to have that behind us and we're working on some exciting things now in december before we wrap up and obviously take a little bit of a break mm. much deserved what did you use this morning i used a whole bunch of things actually i cleansed with the martyrdom acne over cleanser Honestly, my favorite cleanser as well, because interestingly, it's just okay to use around the eye area too. So that no stinging and burning is a tick for me. And then I used face juice from Butte, good hydration, um, moisturized with Kiehl's Ultra Facial Cream, just a great neutral moisturizer. And then I switched it up a bit with my sunscreen. I used the Color Science Glow Brush, the mineral okay. brush. I did a really good application, but I want to actually get into the habit of reapplying, reapplying, reapplying yeah. throughout the day. So that's what I used. What did you use? That brush is so good. If you just think about how people aren't so consistent about applying sunscreen throughout the day. So even if you use just a fluid or a cream in the morning and you have that in your car or your handbag, it just it's amazing. And it's just such a nice tap up, especially for females emails as well this mm. the glow one that i use has got like a little bit of a shimmer in oh, it nice. so what i use this morning i use the keels calendula foaming gel such a nice product it's just soothing hydrating does the job and then i've been testing a new product from ph formula it's a new brightening serum with tranexamic acid in it Ooh. very nice wow I'm, I'm really enjoying this we I, were so lucky the other day to have ph formula come visit us yes actually, and mariona and pietro yeah they introduced us to this maybe very exciting new launch next year I'm very excited for it. I'm honestly very sold on tranexamic acid. We need to do more on it. It's just, it's one of those acids that can also calm and soothe the skin and it just evens your complexion. It's almost becoming a staple. I don't know. And um, I say you are glowy and yeah. looking very good today. Thank you. And then I used, Abaji's also just launched a barrier repair cream, which is nice. It's great. It really is lovely. It's quite pricey, I think, for what you get. But if you're into, you know, need things for post-treatment, it's a lovely formulation. It feels sturdy. And then I used the Mardi Derm Active D, which is a huge surprise to yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cool because we're on to the new packaging now. Hey? Yes, we're oh, on to the new packaging. So it. don't miss that. That. It's no longer caramel brown color. It is now a bright festive green to match the Mediterranean ocean from where it comes. So for today's episode, it's around sun care and myths. We've just 
grown a little bit wary and tired of specifically marketing claims, things that we see that don't necessarily help or benefit the end consumer to wear sunscreen more often. And that's ultimately our objective when we discuss these things. When we're not achieving the goal of getting more people to wear sunscreen to prevent aging and skin cancer and pigmentation, then we're not doing our job. We're not the only people talking about this. There's a community of scientists and very well-versed people talking on this subject. We just want to communicate it, enhance and amplify the message to our audience. So joining us in the podcast studio today is Dr. Ian Webster. So you're excited about this topic. Yes, I am. I'm a dermatologist. I've been in practice for 30 years and 85% of my work is skin cancer. So I see that every single day. And obviously we want to prevent more skin cancer. Definitely. And I think that's the problem. Consumers are becoming so consumed with the wrong thing and caught up in the misleading facts, you know, hopefully some of the things we can help clear up today. What do you think is one of the biggest ones that you see in your practice? So I think there has been a bit of a fear about the organic sunscreens. Mm -hmm. You know, the American FDA has queried some of these organic sunscreens that they are absorbed into the body and could they be potentially harmful? And by organic, we mean chemical. Uh, yes, yeah. So by organic, I mean it contains a carbon atom. It's organic, but it's a chemical filter. Yes. And it's the older ones, which have been around for years and years. Small amounts of those are absorbed into the body. But the fact that they were absorbed in the body doesn't mean it's toxic. Okay. So it's been used for many, many years with no apparent side effects. Mm -hmm. But the FDA is wanting further studies on this. And I think this has created unnecessary fear in the consumer. When that came out, the FDA's query it created more confusion because the headlines read they are unsafe. But they weren't really saying that they're unsafe. No, they're no, still no. approved. They're just asking for more evidence exactly. that they aren't causing harm, which unlocked a sort of firestorm of fear-mongering, as you said. Because in America, sunscreens are, are registered as a drug, yes. whereas in Europe, they're registered as a cosmetic. So unfortunately, that has created a, a social media storm and I think unnecessary fear-mongering and people maybe aren't using the sunscreens as they should. And what is the result, you know, if we're not wearing the sunscreen because we're worried about the harmful effects of it being absorbed, what is the outcome if we're not wearing sunscreen? Sure. I mean, there could obviously skin cancer. It's as yeah. simple as that. Pre-cancer, aging of your skin, pigmentation and skin cancer. But I just want to make a point. It's not just the sunscreen. It's sun avoidance, sun protection and sunscreen. But if you work outside or you sport recreation, then the sunscreen is an essential part of that because you, know, you can't cover up your whole body. You know? And even if these chemical filters are absorbed into your bloodstream, it's the dose that makes the poison. So people think that if there's a presence, there's a harm. Exactly. That's not true. That's not true. These chemical sunscreens have been around for decades with no apparent side effects. Also something that's quite interesting, I attended a science camp recently and the toxologist Pushbaru that was speaking said interestingly enough that a substance could be toxic but how it is consumed is how it can be toxic. So for example, if it's absorbed into the blood it won't be toxic but obviously if it's ingested in X amount that is toxic or inhaled. So it's actually also how it's consumed shows its toxicity. So it's not relevant in a sunscreen being applied topically to the skin. No, I agree with that. Oh. 
What are the other kind of big myths around sun care? I mean, the one I always hear about are coral reef safe. Now, we know that overconsumption is bad <laughs> for the environment. We know that. But when it comes to UV filters and specifically aquatic life and coral reefs, there is actually very little evidence that this is happening. We know coral bleaching is happening, and that's a result of climate change. Climate change, agricultural waste, and overfishing. Dr. Webster, what are your thoughts on this? So I think it's a hype. I think it's been overblown. Again, the, the dose makes the poison. There are some chemicals under very controlled circumstances that have shown might damage coral reefs, but it's in reality, it doesn't makes sense that if you're swimming off the coast of Durban, you know, the coral reefs are a long way away. For most people in the world using sunscreens, it's actually irrelevant. And unfortunately, a lot of companies have used it as a marketing tool mm. to promote their particular brand. Yeah, you need a lot of people, hundreds or thousands of people. So if you go for your beach holiday and you're on Robo Beach and you see a few people dotted along that coastline and they're wearing a chemical sunscreen or even a physical one because they say zinc oxide is also harmful for that's correct. That's correct. For, uh, yeah. for coral life. Yeah. That's not making any difference. The amount of parts per million that you would have to infect onto the environment just because you're wearing a sunscreen doesn't seem logical. And we've also heard that great parts of the barrier reef, which are thousands of kilometers wide, we know there's no human activity or no human presence. And that coral is bleached. And yeah. that coral is bleached. And that's because of climate change. Change, exactly. Not a sunscreen. Why do consumers believe these things? Why do we amplify the misinformation versus the facts? Mm -hmm. And it's it comes down to it's an easier message to relay something that's based in fear because doing the research around what is actually correct takes work, takes effort. Yep. We would rather take this more primal approach and when you hear a long ingredient and it's a chemical, that must be bad for you. But that's not actually how it works. And that's something I would really like to encourage our listeners and clients of Dermastore to, to take note of. Don't try decipher an ingredient list. Don't try put an ingredient into Google and say that this is harmful. You know, the biggest thing for us is we need to trust the scientists and we need to trust the dermatologists who are formulating these products for us, that they have been tested. They are safe. They wouldn't put it on the market if it isn't. We choose reputable brands that have done that hard work for us. We choose uh, reputable doctors, scientists to help us give these messages. So don't try... Don't try break down the ingredient listing. It's it's not it's more harmful to do that than actually just wear the sunscreen. Dr. Webster, I want to ask you about sunscreens and it's not really a myth, but how a consumer uses it. So when would a client use a mineral sunscreen or a physical versus a chemical sunscreen? What is the preference or the choice? Most sunscreens are a mixture between chemical and physical or mineral. Uh, just from the economic point of view, because the chemical sunscreens are cheaper. So if you have a pure mineral sunscreen, it is a bit more expensive. So in most people, it's a combination of both. If you, say, have a, a child that has got atopic eczema, slightly more at risk for developing allergic contact dermatitis, th then you might want to just use a mineral sunscreen. Okay. And there are some good ones available. And again, in women who are pregnant, because we know some of the chemical sunscreens are absorbed into the body, obviously there is again fear about that. Just to play it safe, in pregnant women, I do recommend um, more mineral sunscreens. Okay, so these are the reasons why it would be better to 
possibly choose a different type of sunscreen. Yeah. But both formulations are just as good and just as efficacious and just as safe, yes. really. Especially for the body. If you want to apply a sunscreen over large areas of your body, if you are, say, a construction worker or a surfer, just from the economics to get a volume, say, a 200ml container, it's, most of them are a combination of a chemical with a mineral. Um, and another reason would be, and this is sort of a myth, hey, is mineral sunscreens and chemical generally sometimes have iron oxides in them. Um, and we know that iron oxides help block visible light. But what's the myth around this one, Ian? Well, you know, we, we know visible light can make pigmentation uh, worse in people with the darker skin type. But there is this myth that's been perpetuated that electronic devices, your iPad or your iPhone or your TV screen, that does emit high energy visible light, but it's in not enough to harm your skin. Or to cause pigmentation. Or to cause pigmentation. Okay. So when you're sitting reading your iPad in bed at night, you don't have to use a sunscreen. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> okay, so that's really good. That visible light we are talking about from this UV spectrum. From, it's from the sun. Yes. yes. That's what we need to yeah, protect. It's high energy visible light. When you walk outside that visible light, that can make pigmentation worse. And that is harmful to the skin. Okay, good. But not from your devices. No. So I'm glad we cleared that up because we do get asked that quite yeah. a bit, actually. Yeah. And for those people wanting to use a pure mineral sunscreen, that's fine. As you mentioned, I mean, obviously not practical on the body from a cost perspective. Mm. Also, you find a lot of these sunscreens can rub off on clothing. I know that's why I don't particularly wear a physical sunscreen if you're wearing a white t-shirt sure, sort of sure. end up being goes sure. that like yellow color yeah. Yeah. yeah but then again people who really want to stick to physical sunscreens you can use like zinc oxide not uncoated though because uncoated doesn't adhere well to the skin and can cause blotching and therefore have gaps in your protection yes yeah. so you want to use a coated zinc oxide mineral sunscreen if you're going to opt for that it is a personal preference what these manufacturers are doing now is they're using more nanotechnology as well that's also become more of a, a fear-mongering thing i don't know if you want to just discuss the difference between nano and non-nano yeah so the the nano is obviously a smaller particle it will go on easier and it often won't cause the the whitening of the skin but there is a fear about nano there's no problem with that there's no there's evidence a, there's that there's no evidence that it's harmful okay. so it's perfectly safe to use so they say the best sunscreen there is is the one that you use every exactly s every single day. day every single day that's why i love the Marty Derm active d personally that's why i choose to wear it because I love putting it on. Buy a sunscreen that you love to use. Yeah, and that's what I absolutely get so excited about is if you find that sunscreen that brings you joy. Exactly. So it's efficacious, but it also brings you joy. And the Skin Therapist team, we have a few favorites. For example, the HelioCare Gel Cream Light is a favorite sunscreen because they love using it as their foundation, but it's an SPF 50. Me, I'm a color science girl, you know. That's what I want our clients to get to the point of they love using their sunscreen. 100%. And that goes back to good formulations, good manufacturers that are using, you know, personally, I love antioxidants in my sunscreens as well because I know there's other benefits. If I miss using my serum this morning, at least my sunscreen still got antioxidants in it. And there's good players like Heliacare that do it well. So I love that. So these sunscreens are not just sunscreens anymore. They're like multitasking products yeah. that can do more than one thing. Exactly. And, the, you know, the ones with the DNA repair, they're actually repairing the skin, you know, the antioxidants. So yeah. it's just more than a sunscreen. Really and, and that's why there's no excuse not to use one. There's one that is suitable for every single person. Yeah. 
maybe another myth I do sometimes hear it in my practice that people say if I use a high factor broad spectrum sunscreen on a regular basis I'm going to become vitamin D deficient that's not true in my practice I have seen people patients who've had nasty skin cancers and then they sort of avoid the sun obsessively and there I have had some patients who have become vitamin D deficient generally the the people who just use the sunscreen normally you're not going to become vitamin D deficient there's, there's been clear studies to prove that especially in Africa it's very especially hard in Africa yeah it's <laughs> lady that yeah. closes their curtains and only has tea and toast exactly exactly, <laughs> exactly. yeah your in, your incidental exposure throughout the day week will add up to that yeah amount on so and the, also your diet plays yeah, a big right, role. Yeah. I mean, I take a multivitamin that's got 600 international units of vitamin D in it. And I've checked my vitamin D levels on numerous occasions. It's been normal. So in South Africa, you only need about 20 minutes twice a week on your forearms mm. to produce enough vitamin D through your skin. So, so you really have to become a recluse. Then. Yeah, if you really become a recluse and obsessively avoid the sun, it's possible. Okay, well, I think we've done well for today. Thanks again. I think we covered some nice, uh, interesting insights there. If you have any questions, please give us a shout. It's been a fantastic year. Thank you to all of our followers and listeners. We look forward to catching up in the new year.